Blog Talk Radio. Well, it's Friday, um, and I have a house full of people and my beautiful children here, and I couldn't be more excited about today's show guest. She is beautiful. She is talented. She has a very soulful, very strong voice, and she's just really pretty. I'm not even going to lie about that. So I want to do a couple quick show announcements before I forget to uh, start, and then I'll start the show. I can't talk today, folks. It's Friday, and yes, I haven't had enough coffee, so back off a little bit. I want to remind everybody of a couple different things. Um, if you're out and about tonight, I just found out this really cool thing that's local and in town. Tonight they're playing at the cemetery, the one on like Highway 100 and Capitol. They're literally having an outdoor showing of the movie Hocus Pocus tonight. And I'm like, how totally cool is that? You get to sit outside, I get to have my wine, my food, and I get to get scared. Just kidding. But it's just cool, isn't it? Isn't it a totally a great idea to be out and about and outside and checking out a movie? Don't forget, guys, to go ahead to Croatian Park because you're going to go ahead and see Circle Switch, which is playing sometime tonight. Um, Forgive me for not knowing the exact time. So go ahead and check out the Croatian Music Festival. I believe that's happening all weekend long. And obviously, of course, I'll put up a list, hopefully on my show page or my personal page, of some of my friends that are actually playing this weekend or any sorts of other events. I myself am not either New York or L.A. bound, which means I'm stuck at home in this beautiful Wisconsin weather. Yay! So... I think that's everything that we're all caught up on. Don't forget to go to my YouTube channel, check out all the interviews that I've downloaded. And second of all, don't forget to check out my Patreon account because we all know we want to support me financially, right? Well, somebody has to support the show. And most importantly, of course, now that Kerwin's comic book is up and for sale, please do your best to spread the word. We've got 5,000 books to sell, and that's a whole lot of work, kids. So without further ado, let's get Danielle on the line, and we'll start talking to her. Good morning. Danielle, hi. Good morning. I know, right? It is morning, isn't it? (laughs) I was just going to say, you're up very early, and I appreciate that. And I felt so bad because I'm like, oh, my God, I scheduled an 11 a.m. appointment with this young woman who's up at the crack of dawn. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. (laughs) It's totally fine. I worked out this morning, so it's it's a good, you know. Oh You're the God. first human being I'm talking to all day. It's lovely. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is all, that would be perfect if you were male, but you're not, so that's okay, and I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. I'm like, you know what? That happens all the time with me. So I appreciate that. I do, first of all. No, I've done Thank my homework, and I. Well, you know, the thing is this. I only had so much coffee. I ran. I picked up my kids this morning, and they were gracious enough to be like, "Mom, it's totally cool that you do your job while we sit here and get to play video games." Rough life, right? They're still off yeah. school yet, so I'm like, "This is so awesome." Um. I, I, wanted, I took a look at you, well, I took a look at your face, and then I took a look at your press kit, and then I took a look at your story, and there's so much to talk about here. You really are a very striking young woman. Um, I know a lot of beautiful people, Thank and you're you. very young, and you're very pretty. Um, so Thank I want to talk a little bit about that, because you're, more, you're younger than me, obviously. I'm almost, well, I'm 48, so I'm a little older. And so I, I work in an industry, so do you, where, where we find that things such as looks and presence are very important. Talk to me a little bit, or I should think to your audience, I should say, about, you know, Kesha was just on and did a a whole segment about this. And you remind me of her, actually, that that youthful look and that sort of passionate presence that you give. Talk to the folks a bit about how important it is about staying true to you, whether it's your looks, whether it's your clothing, the choices that you make, because I think people tend to lose themselves in this industry. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's really hard though. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's very important. Um, and it's, it's much easier said than done. Um, I think right. you are pressured all the time to be sexier, to wear less clothing, you know, or, right. um, to sound a certain way to make your music sound and fit in, in a certain way. Uh, and, and I think it really comes down to like, if you're a lady and you're gorgeous and you're like, you know, the hottest, thing on the market and you want to be half naked and dance around in the bikini and stuff, then do your thing, girl, you know, like whatever. But if that's not what you want, uh, and you end up doing that, you know, you, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would assume that you would not be very happy for very long, you know? And I think, you know, the point of being a musician and the point of doing really any kind of, um, creative, uh, having a creative career is you're doing it because you love it. And if you love it, you want to share your love of it with other people. And if you stop right. loving it because you stop being who you are and stop being true to the things that, that make you love it in the first place, um, you know, then, then there's an inauthenticity thing going on and your, your audience is going to know that. And they may or may not like you after that, you know, and no, you just won't be happy. You'll be on tour however many you know, days, like a hundred and something days out of the year, singing songs you hate, wearing outfits you wish you weren't wearing, you know? So 
it's, oh, yeah. um, it's extremely important to be, to be true to who you are. And I think, you know, I think that's true in anything. I think that it's important to always be honest and true to yourself. And those are lessons that we all learn. I mean, I think, I think we all learn all of the same lessons. We just learn them at different points in our lives, you know? And for me, the whole no. be yourself thing really came at a young age just because I was, I was not that cool, and at least junior high. I mean, I tried to be cool in high school, but I was a definite loser in junior high. And uh, I had a really rough go of it, and it was hard to try to be myself because I hated who I was because nobody else liked who I was, you know. So gotcha. I um, do. But, yeah. Well, and I look at you now, and you, you have this, maybe I'm the only one who notices this, but I, I doubt it. You have this very distinctive presence and look about you. So I was curious to ask, like when you were first starting out and trying to find your way in music, was it important to you to establish yourself some way, whether it was a look, whether it was a sound? How important was it to you to individualize yourself in, in, in this industry? Um, it, was, it was important, but I don't think I thought about it too much. I think that I was just trying hmm. to do my thing and be myself and make sure that I did not conform. That was like my main, you know, I, didn't, I, I, I can only write the music that I write because I'm me. And I am not very good at writing the things that other people are creating. So I already set myself apart just by being both the writer and the singer. You know, that already set me apart. And then when people started liking that, I, I wanted to do more of it. Look-wise, um, I've had a lot of people try to brand me, you know, like, oh, you should be like this, you should be like this. And for me, right. it's important to – I really like having a look that no one else – like, if you saw me on the street – or you saw me in a magazine and music, the title music was not near my name, you know, I don't right. want you to know that I'm a musician just because of how I look. Right. Like there are country girls, yeah, you can look at them and you're like, okay, that is clearly a country singer, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. But for me, I'm like, I don't want you to know what kind of music I do. I want you to give me a chance first. I want you to listen to it yes. before you judge what it is. So, um, and I like not having a brand. I, I like wearing jeans and T-shirts, and then I like looking super glamorous. So I wanted to be able to do and wear kind of whatever I wanted instead of having to fit into a box. So you don't want to be put in a box, period. That is so cool. I absolutely love that. Yeah. So I, I have a, a, one of many questions I'm going to ask you in terms of some of your background. First of all, I know that you actually were self-taught, meaning you taught yourself as it relates to the piano. So I have a huge question mm-hmm. here because, I think I've scored myself a free piano, and I'm an awesome writer, among other things, but I suck as a musician. I don't know a thing about it. I'm not good at it. I'm not going to pretend like, oh, yeah, I'm going to rock that piano. No, I'm not. So I've got to try to stay positive. So I have to ask you, because obviously you're self-taught, is there anything that you can tell me or anybody else out there who has zero talent in this? I I just want to be able to play. It's a beautiful you know, it's a beautiful piece of instrumentation. So my question to you is, how challenging was that for you? Because it doesn't seem like this would be something to master easily. Yeah, I mean, it was hard. <laughs> I sucked for a long time. And uh, I still, you know, I, I still see people who were trained, who took lessons when they were like six or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so good. I wish I was good. But, I mean, I, I do what I do well. And I think that the main thing that I, I just, I loved it so much. And I was, I played it all the time. You know, I would okay. uh, go to work, come home, play it, wake up, play it. Like, I played it all the time to the point where I got evicted from a couple different, like, homes I was living in because I was playing too late at night or whatever, you know. Um, so, but, but I would always, my, my tip is that if you ever get it tuned, which I'm sure you will at some point, um, right. the people that tune pianos can normally play the piano pretty well. And so what I would oh. do is they would tune it, and I would watch them and just eagle hawk sorry, I'm staring at you like a weirdo, but I need to learn what you're doing. And when they're done tuning it, they play it just to make sure all the keys sound nice. And I would watch what they did when they played it, say like, high five, thank you, goodbye, and sit down and start trying to do whatever they just did. So that was a big, big part of how I kind of learned how to do, I guess, more elevated stuff than like Chopsticks and Mary Had a Little Lamb, you know? Uh, <laughs> no, I so that was and I'm assuming that this will take a lot of practice, obviously. And, and you know, I'm I'm very blessed to have a lot of friends that are musicians. So I'm like, I'm sure they'll pitch in and sit down with me and try to keep me, you know, grounded and teach me some of the basics. I don't need to be an expert. It's just like it just seems really super cool to have a piano and be able to play. And it's one of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, on the flip side, I know that you've played the clarinet before, and I'm like, it always intrigues me when women play what I consider to be 
not as female instrumentation. Do you know what I mean by that? Like I don't oh, see sure. a whole ton of women running around and doing the clarinet, which I imagine is, is part of that whole being unique and, and unique to yourself, I should say. So how long yeah. have you been playing that or how often do you play that? I should really ask. Well, I don't play anymore. I mean, I still have a clarinet. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, and I, and I can play it. I think it's one of those like bicycle things, you know, it doesn't really go away your ability. Your, your awesomeness level definitely goes down if you don't keep <laughs> up with it. But I think your ability oh, to I play it sticks around, you know. Gotcha. Um, but I played sure. it for like, I mean, I played it since third grade up up through all of wow. all of you know elementary, junior high, high school, into some college. Taught it as as a form of income at one point. Um, right. So I I definitely played it for a long time. Um, but I actually I chose it because my mom made each. I have two sisters, and all three of us had to choose a musical instrument to perform or to play. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. As a rule. And I chose the clarinet because I thought my mom was like the coolest person ever. And I wanted to be just like her. And she had played the clarinet when she was younger. So that's why I oh, chose nice. it actually not to be an individual at all. <laughs> but um, that's, we wow. were in third grade and it was between the clarinet or the violin. And um, uh-huh. I chose the clarinet and I picked on, up on it pretty quick. And then at, right after I, you know, cause I, I, I'm a very, figure it out, do it, be perfect right now, which is great, but it's also, I'm really hard on myself if it's not awesome. So I, I got frustrated at one point because I couldn't read anything. I didn't know anything about music. And my mom was like, okay, we'll get you lessons. And then it was just, you know, after that, it was I get all it. cake. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a good question for you too. I was just talking about this last night because I knew you were coming on the show and I'm like, you know, my children, my son is 11 years old and he started playing the violin and he's actually doing pretty decently at it. He's actually done well. But I said to him the other day, I'm like, you know what, honey, not only are you good at the violin, but he sings constantly. And so I have to ask you as a musician, is this like some sort of secret code sign to me, like get him in vocal lessons yesterday? Because he's like, mom, if I sing well, why do I need lessons? <laughs> I'm trying to explain this to him. So I'm yeah. like, I, I guess, when did you actually know or when did you really find your voice and say to yourself, you know what, I need to be doing this? Um, when I was, I don't know, like eight years ago, nine years ago. I, oh, wow. Okay. Um, I played, yeah, for me, I, I had always loved singing. I wanted to be in choir. I wanted to sing. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone, my parents and my teachers were all like, you're really good at the clarinet, stick with that. You know, so I already felt very like, one thing, stay in your, you know, zone. And um, so I tried, I did a little bit of like theater in high school and stuff to try to branch out, but I was terrified to sing in front of people, but I loved it. But I was scared. It was, right. it was such a weird dynamic for me. And then when I got older, um, I had a friend and she was like, I was like, I want to be a singer, you know? And she was like, oh, I know somebody. You should like go sing for him and like help. He's a little producer person for Disney. So I met up with him and then I sang for him. And he was the one that was like, okay, so you have a nice voice, um, but you need to be able to write songs and play an instrument because there are a million pretty voices in the world and you're not going to get anywhere if you're just a voice. You need to have, like, talent, like you need to play and perform and sing and write stuff. So he was the one that kind of got me going on it. And then I really, you know, took off from there. And I only recently started really um, regularly taking voice lessons, which, to answer your question, are extremely important because mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna sing a lot, you know, like if you just want to be right. singing for fun and that's it, like I, you don't really need a lesson, you know. Um, but if you want to do it on a regular professional type basis, you can really hurt yourself if you're doing it a lot and you don't know what okay. you're doing. So that's why I think lessons are important because they teach you all the form and junk. And if you're younger and you just learn it, I wish that I would have had that when I was younger because it puts you years ahead of other people, you know. Like look at Adele. Adele was, like, amazing when she was younger, but had she had proper vocal training, she would have probably built up the strength of her voice, you know, so that when she did 100, I think she did, like, 180 shows this year or something. So when she did that many Uh shows, singing the way she does, she may not have injured herself, you know. I don't know. Just an idea. But I got to tell you, I mean, when you look at your life now, obviously, in the course of the last eight years and so, some of the places that you've played at, some of your accomplishments at this point, you were just sending the, I saw the cover of Intrigue magazine. Oh, my God, you're so cute. And I see this cover and I think to myself, oh, my God, how exciting is this? So are you kind of like still overwhelmed by this? Do you know what I mean? Like you're just kind of in awe of this whole, oh, my God, look at all this stuff is happening. Or is it becoming more comfortable for you? Are you kind of getting shifted and adjusted to what's really happening career-wise? Yeah, kind of both. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm still very, every individual thing is a big deal, you know? And then when, when it's yep. over, I'm kind of like, yeah, that was so fun. And I talk about it like it's, you know, like I do it every yep. day. Like I don't, I don't have right. interviews every day. I don't get to talk to people like you every day. So when they do happen, really? I do something cool today. Wow. Yeah, I mean, not every day, you know? Like I, I only have, right. I think, two this week and I have one next week. So it's not like, I imagine at some right. point, like Kesha is probably interviewing every day or twice a day or, you know, she's right. at a point where she right. is having conversations with people all over the country all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So no, I, I I'm building that up, you know? And so it's very exciting to me to do that. The Intrigue Magazine thing, I carried it around, like, everywhere I went. I went to a bar, and I was like, look, this is me. <laughs> I was so, so cool. excited. And they were like, oh, drinks on us, you know. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, this is what cool. it's like. <laughs> yeah, so no, it's you know, very I, exciting for me. It's still very surreal, right. No, I get that. I kind of figured yeah. that. And I, and I thought to myself, one, one thing that you must struggle with, and I guess I don't know because, obviously, I'm not in California, but I see this a lot. You're in the land of, you know, besides New York City and L.A., those are the two big places as it relates to arts and music and theater and all that good stuff. So one of the things I looked at was, okay, how hard is it for you? Because there's just, I'm guessing, legions and legions of competition there. You know what I mean? All sorts of different musicians, all trying to get their break, all trying to get their name out there and all that good stuff. Do you struggle with that sometimes? Do you find that it's difficult to be in competition with so many? Or or are you confident that you're going to be able to tackle this? Um, well, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I, I don't really think about the other musicians too often just because what I do is so different, you know. There are a couple people, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, um, my song's on Sirius XM Radio right now, and there's another woman who is on Sirius XM Radio, and, um, mm-hmm. and I, she's not in the forefront of my mind, so I can't remember her name right now, but she has, I think her name is, Whit- okay, it's Whitney Wowers or something like that, and she, okay. um, she has all these opportunities and things coming up where she's interviewing with them and she's on multiple stations and she's her, a lot of her songs are playing. And so things like that, where she, she and I kind of started at the same point uh, and then she mm-hmm. got with some management and boom, you know, things have started to like skyrocket for her. Whereas I'm still by myself. I don't have any management. So for me, right. um, I, I got onto Sirius XM and that was great, but I'm, as far as I know, I'm the only one who doesn't have representation. And that is something that kind of, uh, you know, I get down about sometimes just because um, I know that help helps, you know, when, when you have a team of people helping you out, that's, that's sure. amazing. And uh, right. you can get much more done that way. Like if I had to walk, if I was like Snow White, you know, and I had to clean up after mm-hmm. the seven dwarves, she could not have done that alone without all of her little animal friends. You know what I mean? She needed a lot of help. <laughs> I to love clean that. Up all that's this so mess. cool. And I need some animal friends. <laughs> so, yeah. And I know what you mean, but, because I myself, I run, I, I do the same thing that you do, and without a team of people, it's a struggle. I mean, because you're pushing for you all the time. You're like your number one cheerleader constantly. I, th- I find yeah. that that's one quality that I admire about you very much. I, I like seeing yeah. creatives that work very hard for themselves and that they're very confident and that they present themselves very properly. You know, I wasn't a Kesha fan for quite a while. My daughter used to make me go see her all the time, and I'm like, yay, this is great. And I wasn't that impressed with who she was. And now I see that she's really matured, like Miley Cyrus's of the world. Some of the girls that, that used mm-hmm. to be a little more childlike are really coming into it, of course. Um, so I want to talk a bit about the personal side of you because you're not just a musician. I think people oftentimes, will, you know, you get interviewed and you want to talk about the professional side of things, but you're a person too. So these are some of the things that I know with you. Apparently, uh, you like to eat salad, and more power to you because, dude, I'm completely all about donuts and Mountain Dew, and I don't know how you people do it. So more power to you. I love the fact that you, uh, you're living this healthy life. I'm like, she rocks, I guess. You're a total California girl, which is awesome because I'm a total New York City girl. So I kind of am like, I get it. Like, I'm afraid to come to L.A. I have to come to L.A. soon, and I'm a little nervous about it. You guys will, like, eat people. Like, seriously, I get nervous. I mean, it's 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 a tough well, you know what I mean? You live there, right? So depending on what part yeah. you go in, I'm like, I'm, it's a little rough for me. I'm like, I'm not so sure you people like me. Um, I have to ask you the no, obvious like question you. because, thank you. I have to ask you this question because somebody asked me to, and this happens a lot. I posted you up yesterday already, and I started to promote the show. And, of course, the obvious question comes out, which is the tongue starts wagging by some people, and they're like, does she have a boyfriend? Is she taken? Is she seeing anyone? And I'm like, um, you don't live in L.A., right? But I'm going to throw that question out there to you, Danielle. Inquiring minds want to know, is she currently taking applications or is she already taken? Oh, I am not God. taking applications. <laughs> ah. um, I, 
I am shaken, but I, I do my, my darndest to keep it sort of under wraps just because. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's I didn't mean to that. No, 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 sure. no. It's totally fine. I mean, I can say, yes, I'm taken, and you don't know who by whom. <laughs> but um, Like, I she do, could be I dating, you know, somebody in Hollywood that we don't know. Famous. Exactly. Like an actor. Yeah, and I just, I like to keep Musician. it kind of on the, on the DL just because I feel like, you know, there used to be a time when, you know, I mean, way before I was born, but I think celebrity used to be more of a mystery. And then social media yeah. happened, and now we tell you everything. And I'm not, you know, yeah. I mean, I, would, I, I wouldn't say I'm like, the biggest, bestest celebrity ever, you know? But you know all about Angelina Jolie and, and Brad Pitt and right. their kids, and, like, they broke Correct. up, and, like, that sucks for them, you know, because right. that's such a personal thing to go through. So I will – I am doing my best to try to keep everything kind of quiet as long as I can um, just because cool. I feel like I have something so sweet and, and beautiful, and I want to make sure it stays sweet and beautiful and doesn't get, you know, oh. all, all dirty. I at least have to ask. <laughs> Yeah, so you, I know, you don't have to reveal. I mean, you don't have to reveal who yeah. he is or whatever have you. But there's a pertinent question to this because I often interview people that are either married or taken or have significant others, and I want to talk about this a bit because a lot of the people that listen to my show are either in the business or trying to get in or creative. Talk a little bit about that in terms of do you think it's difficult when you're in this sort of field, being a musician, and you're out and about all the time? Is it really hard to try to have a relationship with somebody? Because I imagine that's got to be a struggle. You know, not just time-wise, but just you're an attractive person. You're going to gravitate to a lot of attention. Is that a struggle for you? Not yet. I mean, I'm hoping it doesn't become one. Um, right now, we're pretty balanced, and we, we both are – I mean, I think he's very good-looking, too. So, um, But I, I, <clears throat> I, I, think it, I think it becomes an issue if there's um, – if jealousy gets introduced or if there's not mutual respect and support, you know, and right. I think that – that he's very supportive of everything that I've got going on. And so it's not really, um, not really an issue. You know, I know he's probably listening to this interview right now and he will text me right when it's done and be like, that was such a good interview. You know what I mean? Like he's very awesome and supportive. So I definitely don't have any issues yet. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It'll get, I was actually out, I was in um, Beverly Hills once and this actor gentleman who I forget his name, but he's um, an actor on, that new show, um, Better Call Saul. He's one. He's not oh, the main okay. guy, but I think he's a person that. on that show. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, he like he hit on me at a store. I was at a coffee bean, and he like hit on me and stuff. And he was like, "Did we make out at a party once?" And I was like, "No, I I would remember that, you know." <laughs> um, uh-huh. But then I didn't know who he was because I'm horrible with names and stuff. And I was like, "Oh my god, I know, I know you, I know, I know you." <laughs> and uh, right. I came home and I told him, uh, my man, and he was like. Um, you know, <laughs> I, you know, he was like, fine, the world wants you. That's great. Just lovely, you know. But I was so excited sure. that I got hit on by this, like, famous actor. <laughs> and I was like, yay. And he was like, yeah, great. Oh That's God. wonderful. <laughs> so, but he's like, well, whoever this, so this cool, gentleman is listening. Fine. That's awesome. You sound terrific, whoever you are, gentlemen. Just be good to her and be kind to her and continue supporting her because I think that's wonderful. So thank you to your guy. I think that's – I think people succeed – it's so much easier to succeed in this business if you have support at home, whether it's children, whether it's partners, whether it's whatever. So I strongly encourage that stuff. Now talk to me about this. I have a note on here that you like to play with ovens. That leads me to believe you either burned yourself oh, or you had an incident recently. <laughs> uh-huh. We want to go there. That's right. I dug. I'm like, yeah, we have so... to talk about this. I'm like, does she hurt herself all the time or something? I'm not, I'm not getting it. What's I up with that? I have been hurting myself a lot. I don't know what is wrong with me. Yeah. So I, so it's the salad thing. You mentioned the salad thing. This is that's new for me. Like I've only been eating like a good, you know, little California girl for like two months now, mm-hmm. um, because I was working okay. out. I work out, you know, whatever. And I was working sure. out for like almost a year, and I wasn't really seeing a lot of results. And I wanted to eat what I wanted and drink what I wanted and work out and have it all balance out. Um, but I ended up building a lot of muscle and not losing any fat. So I just looked like thicker than I wanted and I didn't like that. And so sure. I was like, Ugh, fine, let me just try eating this crap. <laughs> That's kind of where I went with it. Started sure. eating salads and I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, now I like them. After two months of eating them, now I'm like, okay, now they're enjoyable <gasps> and I love them. Thank you. Awesome. You know, but it took me a while to get That's adjusted. Cool. Um, and it's working. And, and I was actually talking to a friend of mine yesterday about how I hate that it works because I really want to be the kind of person that can like, eat spaghetti and cheeseburgers and pizza and ice cream and whatever donuts 
and like be hot, but that's just not my body type. <laughs> I just, I have to make some sacrifices and cheat once in a while versus like always eating bad and then having a vegetable, <laughs> you know? Um, oh so God, I was making um, this, I was making swordfish for the first time. I was cooking a swordfish and I, uh-huh. I guess you cook it on the stove top and then you take the pan and you put it in the oven to cook it some more and then right. you take it out and you finish it on the stove top. So I put it in there in the oven and I pulled it out of the oven with an oven mitt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put it on the stove to like cook it on the stove top. And I forgot that it had been uh-huh. in the oven. So I full hand grabbed the pan handle, like hold onto it. And I burnt like all of my fingers on my left hand. It was awful. It was really bad. Yeah. They were like blistering and like, it was so painful. And I was like, Oh my God, what is wrong with me? It was just in the 400 degree oven, like two seconds ago, two seconds ago. Why did I touch it? Plain handed. I just don't know what happened. It was such a, I'm such a fool. So, and then I had oh like band-aids everywhere. I looked like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. <laughs> it was like awful. That is just, oh uh, my God, that's so scary. Oh my God. Stay away from the oven. This is ridiculous. You need to have somebody cooking for you. Mm-hmm. Or the boyfriend should be making food or something should be happening here. Cause I was like, oh my God, this girl's going to end up killing herself somehow. It's just, you know, know we don't really pay attention. Bad. But you had too much stuff going on. And the day before, I smashed my face into, like, a speaker. So. Oh, my God. I know. I think I'm maybe going through, like, a clumsy phase. I don't know. I thought I broke my toe. Like, yeah. My mom is like, can you accident yourself and not hurt yourself? Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes these things happen. I get you. And the other cool thing I noticed was that you may get a point to – Designate 30 days, excuse me, 30 days, 30 minutes a day for reading, which I think is important. I want to talk about that topic because most of us that get super busy all the time, the reality of the situation is there is no me time. So I want you to talk a little bit about that because people like me or industry people, you're always going, going, going all the time, taking a call, doing an email, whatever. Talk a bit about how it keeps you grounded to find some of that me time or forcing yourself. How do you, how do you learn to force yourself to make yourself a priority when you're becoming a sensation? Make sense? Yeah, well, um, I, it's awesome that you, like, know all these things about me. Um, I, I I'm a journalist here. I'm like supposed reading. to. <laughs> um, okay, so I like reading, and my whole family reads. And um, oh, cool. one of my sisters actually reads, like, I mean, you know, we, every, I think everyone in America probably reads a little bit, like, online or something. But right. um, my right. family reads, like, books, and they, kind, they love them. And so I love reading as well, but I read a lot more when I was single or less busy, you know. Um, sure. And now I have all this stuff going on, like you said, and I realize, and I complain sometimes about not being able to read. And I'm one of those people, I, I hate complaining. I'm kind of like, do something about it or shut up. You know, that's kind of how I feel. Right. So I apply that to myself as well. Do something about it or stop talking about it. So right. I, I love going to coffee shops. Most of the time when I write music, I go to a coffee shop. Um, I, know, I start with uh-huh. the lyrics first, so I'm always away from my regular spaces to just make sure that I focus on not the jobs, you know, the little, like you said, the emails, the phone calls. So I try to not be in my home so that I, I don't have to focus on that. So when I, I realized sure. that I would make time to like go and do the lyric stuff somewhere and I was like, you know, I could just also do that. So okay. when I go out to do lyric reading, I are reading lyric writing. I also go out and I bring my book. I'm right now I'm reading Sherlock Holmes. Like it's the complete set of all of the stories. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. So I go out and I set a timer on my phone, literally, and I read. And then when the timer goes off, if I'm like done with the chapter, I close the book. Or if I'm almost done, I finish the chapter and close the book. And then I do sure. whatever else I need to do because, you know, you can get lost in a good book if you're, if you're really into oh, it. Right. Um, so you can read Correct. longer than you need to. And I'm only going to give myself 30 minutes because you do it every day. It's, it's, that adds up, you know. Um, no, I, I totally it takes me a little it. bit longer to read books, so my whole family's like, where are you at in the book? And I'm like, ah, the beginning, <laughs> like still. <laughs> like, I, I only 30 days, that's it, you know, so. Well, right, um, but, you only have so much time. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, it, it works out really well because then it's like adventure is in your brain. And I think, you know, a lot of times living life and reading about stories of other people living life, whether they're real or not, gives you ideas about things you can write about. You know, and I and right. I think you, life experience is, is how you express, you know, art comes from experience. Art comes from how you see the world, which means you have to see the world, which means that you have to either have money and travel or you have to, like, open a book 
or something, mm-hmm. you know, watch something on TV that inspires you, anything. It could, be, it could be a myriad of things, but I think, you know, you definitely have to do more than just sit at your house by yourself, you know. Uh, you got to <laughs> go out into the world dark. and experience it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's, you know. Now, here's an interesting question. Folks that are listening in that may not know this, I know that some of the places in the past you've played include House of Blues, the Viper Room, the Rainbow Room, which are some pretty big names there. So this is the question I want to address to you because I'm sure there's people listening that are budding musicians, if not playing already. Um, some people talk about the anthology of, or the ideology, I should say, that you're playing places like that, you're getting somewhere, et cetera. Some other musicians say that the biggest and coolest places they've ever played at were little no-name places where everybody packed the room because they loved you. So what advice would you give to somebody when it comes to booking places, et cetera? How important is it to get yourself placed in the Viper Room versus I'm going to go down to Malibu or, or, or Ojai or whatever and play something? Do you know what I'm saying? How important is it yeah. to make that you're seen in the bigger in the bigger gigs, bigger places, I um, should say? Well, so those places are iconic and um, mm. I guess noteworthy in terms of, of your your musician resume, you know? So I would encourage anyone to do them at least one time. Be like, I've done that. I can move on, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. It's all about the reason that that I think that, like, I'm going to play a place tonight that's actually down in Temecula that's pretty small. I think it fits, like, 80 people, and I love it because it's very intimate. I can see everyone's faces. I know that they're into it. They sing with me. It's fun. It's great, you know. It's a lot of interaction versus places that are larger, like the House of Blues. You're not seeing everybody's face. Um, people right. are on their phones, you know what I mean? Like it's a little bit different of an environment. So I understand completely why um, some artists would say that the best shows they've done are in no name spots. Um, right. Because, you know, it's, it's better that, you know, it, it is better to interact with your crowd, um, but you really only get that crowd in a smaller spot. Even if it only fits like 10 people, those 10 people aren't coming if they don't know who you are, you know, unless they're your mom, you know, <laughs> your mm. best friend, whatever. Um, but strangers are not going to come see you if they haven't had an opportunity to see you before. So I think that right. the best advice is to perform as often as possible. In as as I know they've they've had some people have said that it's best to start in a in a very small area and kind of like a corkscrew, like wind your way outward. You know, right. Um, right? No, I get it. And I think there's something to that, but I do think that performing in different cities or in different areas, not the same place is good because not everybody's going to this one place that you're playing at. You know, people do go to the Viper Room. People do go to the Rainbow Room, you know. People go to the Rainbow Room because there's dinner downstairs and then they can go upstairs and hear music, you know. So I think for a night out, it's good to do L.A. Um, if you're trying to get discovered or something, L.A. is the place to perform because right. a lot of the A&R reps and, and, and folks like that, they're not traveling really too far outside of their main zone, you know. So it's sure. important to still be present in the cities if you are trying to get, like, discovered. But um, hmm. a term, in terms of just having a good time with your crowd, like, you can build up a following in, in a small spot easily, and, uh, and it's the best. You know, it, it is really great to have people who know your songs and sing them with oh, you. Sure. And people who request your songs when you're, you know, that is the best. Um, versus I'm doing cover songs of, like, you know, all these people and they're asking me if I can sing some other cover song. It's like, it's fun, but you're not a jukebox. You're a, a live musician. And you know what I mean? So there's, it, it, I do. it's way better when you get to do your original material. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I can totally imagine that, but thank you. And and that's why I thought, well, that's probably a good idea. One of the things I thought about when I was looking at you, you remind me of my girlfriend, Ileana Katz Katz. And the cool part about her is she's a violin player. And I don't know if you have the option to do this in L.A. because I haven't seen enough of L.A. But in New York City, of course, you know, we have subways all over the place. I could seriously picture you playing the subway because you could. Not, I mean, not because you want mm. to be known as a subway player, but I, I wanted to ask you that. I'm like, I wonder if she would pick very avant-garde places and just start playing and singing. You know what I mean? Like going to a subway or mm-hmm. going to a train station. I could see you doing that. Yeah. Or have you done that? Well, so I've done that here, um, but I've done it in more like, you know, they have a place out here, Third Street Promenade. Santa Monica at the city in general is very um, open to having street musicians everywhere. So busking is like a big uh-huh. thing. People do it. They have rules about how often you have to move, um, how loud you okay. can be, noise ordinances, all that stuff. Uh-huh. So I've done that kind of stuff. And I've okay. actually, I've been to New York 
couple times and I've seen musicians in the subways and I think it's amazing. Yep. And I play the right. piano and I'm like, how do they get their stuff here? Like, <laughs> Oh my God, that is like a lug, you know, cause there's all those stairs, any heavy equipment right. setting up them, you know, it would be, it would be a thing. I would want to be there for sure. a good amount of time if I was going to pull all my stuff down there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you betcha. But it's cool. I mean, it's an awesome thing. I love it when I see my friends playing. And, you know, I think sometimes, again, it all leads to part of your personality. You're the type of person that would, is willing to play in places where people are going to listen, regardless of the of the backdrop, you know, which I think is cool. Totally. Now, the one thing that I learned about you when I was uh, studying your background, of course, is, and this is important to talk about, because a lot of times some of the people I interview have already established themselves. You know, they're in Hollywood now, and, they're, and they've, they've built a life for themselves, and they've been very lucky. You starting out, obviously, you've done some of the things that literally they talk about in movies, which is you've lived in your vehicle and you've gone from the one couch to another couch to another couch. So I want you to talk direct to the audience about the realities of chasing your dream, meaning that we're not just going to move to L.A. and somebody's going to wake up and say, oh, I found you and you're the new sensation. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to lead some reality to this because I'm a huge believer in chasing your dreams, but I want to keep it real as well. So tell me what kept you going during that point in time. Cause you know, I mean, that's about as real as it gets when you're living in your car, you know, it is, it is pretty, uh, it, it sucks a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so, I imagine. So my, my path for the, the car living thing, I've done it actually three different times in my life. And um, the very mm-hmm. first time I did it, I moved out of my parents' house the day after I graduated high school and uh, I was very independent-minded and didn't like to follow a lot of the rules that my mom set out for us. So I okay. moved out on my own and did my own thing and did not plan that out well. <laughs> and so I ended up, um, that was, a, that was a, the first kind of like on my own crap, my stuff, like my stuff was in boxes in like six different places. I didn't even have money to rent a storage unit, you know. Um, right. And then the next time I was actually starting to pursue music more, and I had this piano, and like I said, I was playing it all the time, and um, I, my landlord was like, you have to move out. Like, you're too loud, and he lived in the back like house that I was renting, and uh, okay. he was like, you have to move out. You're way too loud kind of thing. So I set up arrangements to move somewhere else, and those arrangements mm-hmm. fell through, and I ended up living in my car, and I was in my car for several months, um, and I had to put my piano in storage, <clears throat> which was really sad. And I would, like, visit my piano in storage and play and then lock the unit and, like, leave, you know. Um, and it's really hard because I, I remember I, I didn't – at one point, one of the times – I mean, they kind of blur together. I'd have to, like, really sit down and, and kind of think about it. But um, it all happened sure. over the course of maybe a four- or five-year span. And, um, you know, I, 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 I would sleep in my car on street on, on, you know, just suburb street places like in Burbank or in Ventura, I would, anywhere, anywhere I could find a friend that would like hang out with. And then I'd be like, okay, good night, have a good night. If I didn't want to tell them what was going on, I'd go down to my sure. car right outside their house and fall asleep. And it's weird because, you know, I'm, I didn't have money to tint my windows or anything. So you can see there's a person sleeping in this car and I would have a giant comforter that I would like pull over my face and just fall asleep. I slept in several mall parking lots. I would shower in like the public bathrooms of the mall that was most often what I would do um Mm -hmm. and then I just but I but I when I was kind of inconsistent like right after I moved out and I didn't know where to go and stuff I was like there's nothing holding me to any location I can literally live where I want you know so let me move out I had a boyfriend or whatever so I was like let me move out near this boyfriend and that's how I ended up kind of in Ventura and then things happened from there and I ended up you know moving back down towards LA but um right but yeah I mean it's it sucks and it's hard. And I had absolute um, delusions of grandeur in terms of I'm going to get discovered. Like right when I started doing sure. music, I thought, oh, I'm going to do this for a year and I'm so good. People are going to want me. <laughs> and that's not, <laughs> that's not how it happened. Not how it works. <laughs> and uh, no, not at all. So, which is fine. I mean, I really am very like today's era, there's, there's kind of like a, a bittersweet to things that are happening today in terms of getting discovered if you're not taking the long road, which I am definitely on the long path and things are finally, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm like eight and a half, nine years in and things are finally starting to um, happen. You know, I'm finally on the radio. I'm finally having things like magazines and stuff be interested in me. But I, but until now it has been a very long, you know, perseverance, believe in yourself 
as long as you get better at the thing that you are trying to accomplish, and you have to take a real view of this. You can't just be egotistical, you know. As long as you are actually improving, then you're getting somewhere. And those are little successes, and those matter, and it's worth chasing your dream. But if you're chasing your dream, and your dream is to be a singer, and you're not improving as a singer, or it's to be a painter, and you're not improving as a painter, you have to be honest with yourself and be like, oh, dang it. You know, like I want to be great at this, but I'm trying to be great at it. I'm putting real effort in and it's still not getting better, you know, after mm-hmm. years, not yeah. like after a, a week I or know. something, but after years, maybe you got <laughs> to you know, reassess. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, um, exactly. yeah, I mean, it, it's been difficult. It's not, it's not easy. And I think that the YouTube sensation stuff that's going on now or singing, you know, like that girl, Ruth B, she did a song on like, a, I think it's like five seconds or something on Vine of like the mm-hmm. Peter Pan song that she became super famous for. And um, she had five seconds of a song that people loved and that was it that she wrote. And then a label was like, Oh wow. However many million people like you on Vine for five seconds of your voice, we're going to sign you to a label and have someone help you write this whole song. And now you're like a, a sensation, you know? So I think that's sure. awesome for her, but I also think that's dangerous because you don't have an identity. So you end up doing kind of what you were saying, like the Kesha and the Miley Cyrus thing, where you let right. them mold you. You let them write your songs right. for you, you know. And then you are a product of the machine instead of an artist that the machine helps promote. Right. So I think that's a little dangerous when you don't take the long way, but the long way is hard. And if people, I mean, there's a lot of bands in L.A. that are always grinding it out, that are always performing, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, I admire that. I think that that's great. And and those people are normally really cool people too. They're not, they're not stuck up or anything because they realize like we are on this long journey together. You know, what are you doing? Let's do a show together. So it's really cool. The the support when you're on the long, long passes. Gotcha. Now I want to talk about, obviously, of course, um, was there a, for you personally, you're the only one who can answer this in terms of when did you feel like you were actually getting somewhere? Meaning what was that moment? Have you had that moment yet where you got that big break or is it still coming, you think? Um, I think when I got on Sirius XM radio, that was like my biggest, like, because when it happened, um, they reached out to me. Like I didn't, I didn't hunt that down. And, um, they reached out to me and I thought it was a scam. (laughs) I thought, sure. You know, I know. Oh yeah. Right. And then I found out it was real. And then I got, and I, and I freaked out and I was so excited. And then I got my first, you know, it's like a 90 day in arrears thing, but I got my first payment from them. My first check from them from being played on their radio regularly. And it was a good amount of money. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is like happening finally. (laughs) And like my, my feeling was just like, finally, you know, because right. you pour thousands of dollars and tons of hours, yeah. So I was very, very happy about it. And so that happened in November last year. So it's so Gosh. over the last almost year, it's been building more, and it felt more um, like things are really moving forward. And and that's that's awesome, you know. But not until then. So and that's the thing, like people always say it's about the song. I don't know if you have, have ever heard that, but anytime that you, I've watched tons of interviews across the board of, you know, A&R people or producers or record label people who always say it's always about the song. If an artist has a good mm-hmm. song, that artist can go anywhere. They'll make it, you know, kind of thing. And that's sort of true, right? If you have an opportunity, it's like the whole opportunity knocks, you better be ready for it. You can't just open Correct. the door and be like, uh, you know, <laughs> you got to be ready. Right. So exactly, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, if you have a good song, that's awesome. So that when you have an opportunity to play it for someone that can really do something for you, then then you'll go somewhere. But it but yeah. if you don't have a song, or if you have a great song and no opportunity, you know you kind of sit, stand, you know you're not going anywhere. So I think that's I finally had a, well, had a <clears throat> series of songs that people were into, and and I think that helped. You know, this opportunity may have been there a long time ago. I don't know, but I didn't have the songs. You know, right. Now, before we play the actual song, because I requested one of your songs, well, I requested the one I like the most, because I listened to a bunch Ooh. of you, and then I was like, okay, this is the one that I really like. You know, as a as a person who interviews other people, you know, you listen to music all the time, and, and people send me albums, and I'm like, well, I love it all, but this one, this song in particular stood out to me. So before I play it, I want to talk about some of your past creations album-wise, meaning um, Don't Turn On The Light and The Chase, um, 
we want to talk a bit about song creation, et cetera, meaning that how hands-on are you in terms of the creation of the songs on these particular albums? And what sort of success have you, ha- have you had from them so far? Because now, you know, we're all tech-savvy, meaning that your music can be on 85 forums and platforms, but is it getting out to the people, do you find? Do you see, are you getting positive feedback about the stuff you've created so far? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, so I am very hands I write all of the songs, and I am part of every process across the board for all of my songs um, <clears throat> because I, I want to be like, you know, like the Madonna of my music. You know, I heard she's involved in every aspect of her business, and that's important to me. So I am involved in everything. Um, the Don't Turn on the Light record, um, I, 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 I had a lot of help from the producers in terms of structuring the songs because my song structure wasn't, wasn't really um, very mature yet. Right. And um, actually playing piano. The guy was like, if you want to be a piano player, like, you've got to have something worth listening to on the piano besides, like, a chord. So that was a right. really big lesson for me um, in that album. And, um, and then that album actually is the one that I would send off to all of these venues um, in order to be considered for opening for a lot of the national artists that I've opened for. So that was the one gotcha. that got me my very first opening gig, which was like opening for Johnny Lang. So um, that one was a really big deal. And that one also is the one that I sent to the producer who did both the chase and my new record 1440. And I sent him this right. CD and I said, look, I really want to work with you. Would you work with me? And he said, yes. Mm-hmm. So then that brings us to the chase. And I wrote all these right. things for the chase and he heard them and he said, these are great. Um, when you get to the studio, you really need to vocally, like you need to bring it. And I was like, ah, I'm going to bring it. Don't even worry. You know? So we go through the whole process. And um, I was singing a lot around that time. I was actually doing the third street promenade street busking stuff. So I would sing Mm -hmm. for four hours a day there um, and then do shows on the weekend. So I burnt my voice out. So I, during the recording process, couldn't even sing to demo the stuff for the band. And um, then my voice healed, whatever. And I get into the studio to do it. And I, start singing and the producer goes like what are you doing and I'm like what do you mean I'm bringing it like this is my jam like boom and he was like yeah no you're not at all bringing it like what you're doing is not good enough you need to like belt these melodies out and I had never belted anything out so we had to change up some of the melodies and lower them a little bit because they were really high originally and so we had to lower them a little and then I had to learn how to belt out songs Adele style and I it was really hard because I don't know how to do it you're only recording right. vocals for like a week, you know? So I was really sure. hard on myself and it was really hard. For, I cried like every day after we were done, you know, because I Aww. felt like I sucked. Yeah, and right. it sucked, but I'm really grateful to him because if I had never known that I had room for improvement, I would have never attempted to improve, you know? Right. So he was like, you, you know, you need to be stronger and better and whatever. Spent the next year being better, like practicing and, and, and looking up online and just, trying to do anything I could to strengthen my voice. And then I came back to him and he was like, holy moly, your voice is like way better. But it is because hmm. I worked hard, but it's also because he pointed out like, hey, you know, you have a very sweet, soft voice, but this needs someone who has a strong voice. If you're writing these strong ideas. You need a strong voice to back it up. So right. then I came to him with this one. And, uh, and this one was a lot of fun because there was not a lot of like, your voice isn't good enough anymore. <laughs> So it was a lot of uh, fun, and we got to do a lot of. And I got this one. I got to really explore sound design. Um, have I had string? I wrote the string parts that the string players would play, and that was really cool. And we got an accordion player. Well, I just did a lot of stuff that I hadn't done before musically. So this one was a lot more fun to to kind of build um, build upon. So the journey has been interesting in terms of each album, and each one has had its own. Um, again, little success, like a little tiny thing that really moved me forward that helps me get to the next thing that helps me get to the next thing, you know, so, and now they all, so now, and, you know, well, exactly. And now, um, yeah. obviously I want to play the song, but my question is, do you know which song she gave me? No. Is it warrior? <laughs> no, it's not. Wanna um, know. Uh, Tell me. I looked at I looked at some of the videos and then obviously I, I listened to some of it like I said and there's a whole different bunch of things that I listened to but for some reason Dead and Gone is the one that stuck out to me so that's what I asked oh, her. I'm like yeah. I want to play Dead and Gone I I, I, I just do I, I like I like and I can relate to that obviously most people I think can relate to it as well so I guess before I play it just kind of give an intro to folks um, let them know what they're about to listen to and kind of what was the driving force behind you creating that song. Yeah, so Dead and Gone is my, um, I'm calling it my Cinderella song. 
meaning life is the ball and it ends at midnight, you know, and what are you going to do? Like how are you, you know, let's, let's party, let's do something good. And, 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 um, take a chance on someone, take a chance on me, just let's do something fun. Let's make the most out of our lives before we're dead and gone. It's pretty much the idea of the song. And, um, and the making of the song, we wanted to do something sort of like um, the group Stomp. <clears throat> I don't know if you are familiar oh. with that group or not, but yeah, Stomp, the Blue Man group, something like that. So you what? I don't, I don't think I've ever, you know, somebody told me the name not so long ago, but oh. go ahead. Yeah, so, so Stomp is like a group that uses street brushes and trash cans and trash can lids to make rhythm. And they make really cool beats, and then they all do, like, dancing stuff on stage. It's like a stage show that goes around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this mm-hmm. one, we wanted to kind of do something like that. So we challenged our drummer to come up with a weird beat that fit the piano line that we had created. And um, we wanted to use different instruments. So we bought a trash can, and, we, and he played on a trash can lid, and we played on, like, there was, like, a, there's like a brush. Like, the entire drum beat is not a drum set. The drum beat is okay. comprised of different street sounds and stuff like, you know, the, like street, like trash cans and brooms and stuff like that. So it was really important to us to sure. do something that was like very, um, I guess, earthy. I don't know what the right word is, but very like everyday kind of a thing because it's an everyday situation. What are you going to do with sure. your everyday life? So anyways, it's really cool. I love it. It's an interesting beat. It's a fun melody. And I, I'm so stoked that you picked the song. It's a, it's a good one. I love it. Well, I, you know, I had so many to pick from and I'm looking and then I was scheduling the interview and I'm thinking, oh, wait, everything's all ready, but I don't have a song because I think it's important if you're going to come on my show and talk about how pseudo cool you are, because some people think they're awesome. Some <laughs> people don't think they're awesome. Some people have great egos that we deal with. So I'm like, let's say something that's a, to me, this is a real representation of who you are as a person, meaning it speaks volumes about not only just your pitch and your volume and how you play and how you sing, but it it speaks about you, I think. So folks, we'll give you a break uh, for three minutes and 43 seconds and we'll play Dead and Gone. Here she is.
See why I picked that? It's just so cool. It's, it's a just, good song. It's, it's, it's I like it. Song. I was like, I'll dance into it my is. own song. <laughs> there you go. It's cool. I mean, it's an excellent Thank song. So I was like, oh, my God, I have to play this to the audience. Now we've come to that point of the interview because um, doesn't this time go fast? I say this to people all the time. I'm like, am I boring? Does it go quickly? Does it? Go, I mean, were you entertained, et cetera? I'm like, it no, goes too quickly. No, this is like my favorite like, I've ever done. This is amazing. I love it. Well, it's yeah. not done yet. There are, so I'm sure you've probably not heard other shows that I've done before. So you may not know this, but two things have to happen. Um, well, three, really. I'm going to go through a rundown to the folks listening in so they know all the ways to find you. And then um, every guest that comes on my show gets surprises. Did you know that? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I all get right. to surprise you. And then the last part is I get to tell you what I think of you. And the reason I do that is because everything that I do, I'm a writer, so I script everything. But this last part, the telling you what I think of you is unscripted, and that's done on purpose because I think people should know what I think of you right off the cuff without any sort of written whatever have you. So that hopefully oh – I don't know. It's weird. Like, I think no, you let, smell like – You said mean um, things. Um, am, I, am I in for a treat? <laughs> Uh, just wait, you'll see. So I don't want to forget Uh-oh. to remind everybody, including yourself, usually about two hours after uh, the, the episode is live, it's usually archived, and I'll send a copy over to you and to Rachel, of course, so that you can post it up to your fans and followers. I don't want to forget to mention that to Rachel um, Darris of Big Hype Marketing. I can't thank you enough. She's given me three clients now, and they are all of superior talent, and they are absolutely wonderful people. She's a doll. I've never met her before, but she looks absolutely radiant. She's very professional. And so, Rachel, I appreciate you. I appreciate your presence. I appreciate your clients. Thank you so much for allowing me to interview Danielle today. Um, I'm going to read off a whole bunch of these things. So when I get finished, just let me know um, if I've missed anything. Folks, her website okay. is DanielleTaylorMusic.com. And just so you know, Danielle is spelled D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, and it's TaylorMusic.com. She is on LinkedIn, Vivo, CD Baby, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Her Instagram is Danielle Taylor Music, as well as her Facebook page is also Danielle Taylor Music. Twitter is at Danielle Taylor. And, of course, get this, folks. She has a Wikipedia page. I don't even have a Wikipedia page. I'm 48. I don't have Wikipedia, and she does. Oh, did I miss anything? Any place where people can find you? Did I miss anything? I hope not. No, that's that's everything. My Twitter is actually uh, I have an underscore after my name though, Danielle Taylor underscore. Oh yeah, that's which right. you can't really see that's normally, but yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought. Okay, so we'll correct that right now. So did you get that, folks? Don't forget the underscore. And I also forgot the most important thing, which is if you guys are out and about in California and you wish to see this pretty lady, she has three things coming up. On the 18th, the Loft, which has been to to. Is it Tamukala? How do you pronounce that? Uh-huh. Thank you very much. Uh, on the 19th, she's at Malagio, which is in uh, Ramona, California. And then on the 24th, she's at CAP, which is CAP, which is in Sherman Oaks, California. Go to her website because I unfortunately forgot to write down the actual time that she's playing for each one of these. But go to the website. It's going to have all that information. You'll be able to find her there. So go support her live music. It's important to support live musicians everywhere, all the time, as much as humanly possible in any manner, shape, or form. Now on to surprises. Um, there's a couple mm-hmm. different things. First of all, I'm mad that you're in California. Let me tell you why. One of the many things that I do is uh, I'm a big backer of independent film. I'm hosting my first film festival this year in New York City, not in L.A. Now, if I knew you were going to be... Well, the thing is this. I don't... I'm going to ask you. I'm doubtful that you're coming to New York City anytime soon. Maybe. I don't have any plans to be out there. Because here's how but this you works. You never know. Because I'm just... Well, right. I'm just like you are, which is indie artists are broke a lot. And I'm a mom, so I've been more broke all the time. But I put together this lovely (laughs) festival, and what's really cool about it is it incorporates film and music and all sorts of different arts. And so I would have invited you to come to the open jam on the closing night ceremony. It's all a bunch of musicians that come together very impromptuly. They play together. I have live music every night. I mean, it's extraordinary. But I can't bring you from L.A. to New York because I'm too broke as a joke. However, this is what I would (laughs) like to do. The song that I just played, I like it very much. And the one thing that I liked much about it is about halfway through the song, I said to myself, this is a song that's movie music. So ponder this over after our interview, which is uh, all of my friends in New York City are either directors, actors, or both. And indie music is always, indie film is always looking for music from indie artists. So perhaps we could get a bunch of copies put together and I could give it to all 30 of my filmmakers at the film festival. Copies. I would love that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, thank you. I, I think that would be a terrific idea. So that's number one. Number two is this. Um, I am coming to California 
As you can see, I'm so excited about it, right? Yay, I'm coming. Dun, well, dun, I'm, dun. I'm putting, yeah, I, I know. I'm putting out a calendar this year, so some of my celebrity friends and I have to take some photos, and I have to put my reviews up and all this good stuff. So I was curious to ask you if you ever would or have done or would consider doing a gig with another musician where we would do a live interview. You guys would play music together, and it would promote the both of you. What do you think of that idea? I would love that. And we well, can have re- coffee when you're yeah. here. That's like a very L.A. thing, too. But, yes, I would love to perform anytime with anyone that's awesome or someone as awesome as you. I would love that. That's, well, thank you. Because what I'm going to do when we get off the air is I'm going to connect you with somebody that I know. I became acquainted with, do you know who the actor Michael Madsen is? No, I don't know anybody. I'm going to Google it right now. Well, that's right, because you're young. You have to know who he is. <laughs> have you ever seen Reservoir Dogs? Or have you ever seen um, Donnie Brasco or um, oh, he's a guy Free Willy, Selma Louise? I know who he is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. His, I'd like you to, meaning you and his son, Cal Matson, actually plays music. He has just started playing out in L.A. And I have a friend who's a publicist who has a joint in town that's open for local musicians to play. So I'm going to try to see if I can coordinate both of you on a stage together at the same time, and then we could bring in a bunch of all of our friends and have just a, a really super nice night and a super interview together, and you guys could play together. Um, I'll, I'll do that the introduction awesome. if you're interested. Yeah, so that's another yeah, thing as far you. as that goes. Um, that would be totally cool, wouldn't it? Um, and, of course, like, like you said, yeah, we should get cool. together while I'm in A, but I'm not a coffee girl. I'm a wine drinker. I know that's probably oh, well, faux pas now, right? I know all like the nobody class. does wine. <laughs> no, I wine. So cool. I wine. It's wine o'clock every clock. Yes, let's do Thank it. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So the last thing I get to do is I get to tell you what I think of you because I don't think my kids can hold off anymore. It's been an hour, and I'm like, they're, they're totally wanting attention, so I'm like, okay, I have to wrap it up. So these are my thoughts and impressions of Miss Danielle Taylor. Um, some people, I well, we'll see how you react. I've had people cry. I've had people <laughs> okay. say nothing. I'm like, I'm afraid, right? So here we go. Um I have interviewed people for almost six years now, and every time a publicist or anybody comes to me and they send me information about a potential client or person on my show, I never know what to think. The first time that I saw your press kit and I read your story, I thought, I'm going to get along with this girl, and there were three reasons for that. Um, First of all, you're a little bit younger, so sometimes I never know if you're going to come on the show and you're going to be larger than life with all sorts of delusions. Much to my (laughs) excitement, I have to say that you're very eclectic and you're very full of energy. And when I say energy, I mean life energy. Sometimes when I have people come on the show, they have these dreams and these desires, um, but they seem rather, rather dormant, meaning that in, in all of this adversity and tragedy and trauma and things that you've lived through, you've remained not only very hopeful, but you've stayed very lighthearted when it comes to it. When I mean that, I mean love lighthearted. There are tons of people that could end up being in a car or a hotel or have all sorts of circumstances and think, you know what, I'm done chasing this. But you not only continue to chase, but you chase it fullstantly 24-7. You are what you appear to be, which is you're true to whomever it is that you're enveloping yourself into. You're not going to allow an industry or any individual to change who you are, what you are, the course of the style of your music, which is fabulous. I've listened to probably 15, maybe 16 of your different songs. Not only not, one Mm -hmm. of them was not only not disappointing to me, but it also determined my mood, if you will. There are some that are light beat and I'm dancing in the kitchen, then there are some that are more serious and surreal. I like the fact that you appeal to a mass audience. I like the fact that you're just absolutely beautiful. For a young woman, you really are very radiant. Your inside reflects to your outside, and that's very, very important. I am crossing my fingers and hoping that um, the stars align so we get to meet each other because if I can do anything to help you, I know how important it is to push indie artists, and I'm here for you. If you want to come back on the show again, great. If you want to turn down everything I offered you and never talk to me again, more power to you. I'm not going to feel badly. I'm very blessed that you brought yourself, your music, and your presence to me today because it means more than I can tell you. So thank you. Thank you. You just said That's some of the most thing. beautiful, nice things. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'm... Smiling ear to ear. I really appreciate it. And you have been, <laughs> seriously, the most upbeat, fun person to talk to. I've loved it. I would love Thank to meet you and hang out with you and be best friends Thank and you. do your show anytime. Aww, I loved it. Look Thank at you. That. That's so cool. That's awesome. So what I'll do is <laughs> once we get off of air, and um, my kids actually are only here for the afternoon, and then they leave for the weekend. So I'll send you some information on how to contact me. I'll send you details on how to contact Calvin, and then we'll coordinate the whole festival thing in terms of if you want to send me the information. I mean, I have a whole room of filmmakers. It never hurts to, to hand them the music and say, can you use us? I'm a filmmaker, too. I yeah. have four films as well. Cal's 
Cal's music is going to be in my film. So I'm big on music. I used 15 musicians for my last film. So it's big. I'm, wow. I'm very big on incorporating all sorts of things. So definitely do stay in touch. Phil, tell Rachel I said hello and thank her again for me, please. And I'll be in touch soon. Oh, well. And I'm sorry I took so long. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know it's early. Thank you. Anytime, dear. No, Have great. a great weekend. I'm, I'll talk I'm to you soon. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Tell me she wasn't cute and fabulous, right? I absolutely love the surprises and the things that I can try to help people with. It's awesome. One more time, website's daniellettaylormusic.com. She has a Wikipedia page. She's on LinkedIn, Vivo, CD Baby. Her Instagram handle is Danielle Taylor Music. She is on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Her Facebook is, of course, Danielle Taylor Music. And as she mentioned, the Twitter handle is at Danielle Taylor with the underscore, because, of course, I did not realize that. Again, one more time, Rachel Darris, you are the boss. She is PG Director, excuse me, PR Director at Big Hype Marketing. She's absolutely fabulous. If you have any any needs as it relates to public relations, www.bighypemarketing.com would be your place. Again, one more big hug and squeeze of thanks to Danielle Taylor for getting up early and spending some time on my show, sharing your music. I can't wait to get a chance to work with you or meet you. I want to say to the folks, everybody, thanks so much for listening in. Thanks so much for checking out my YouTube channel. Don't forget to go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. I hope you guys have a great weekend that I run into some of you. And uh, I'm back on air actually Monday at 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. So hyped and excited. Jonathan D'Ambrosia is coming on the show. He is one of the directors for one of the films in my film festival, which is for the Frog March. But he's coming on to talk about a new campaign he has to finance a new film. So I'm so proud and excited that he's going to be joining us on the show. That's 1 o'clock Central Standard Time on Monday. We'll talk to you guys then. Have a great weekend.